Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in in the world. Thank you for listening to another episode this week of the Family Cast. Food and music is life. Yes, yes. And this week's guest is a lover of food and a lover of music. My man, Sean O'Donnell, longtime guitar player of my band Dogwood. I'm sorry, not my band, but the band I was in for a long time, Dogwood. Sean was on four of our records, one of them being an independent release. And uh, yeah, just I've known him for a long time. The music you hear in the background is one song that we'll, we will talk about in, the, in this episode when he talks about some of his favorite Dogwood songs. And uh, it's called Control. But we're going to get into all that. I don't want to talk too long because Sean and I have a, a long conversation, a much needed catching up time because we have known each other for a very long time, as I said before. So uh, this is a conversation about being a dad, being a musician, being young in the music scene, being an artist, being a uh, person who deals with having to be creative to keep your mental sanity, because we are talking in in May and Mental Health Awareness Month, and I did bring that up in the conversation. Um, Yeah, so just an overall, all-around good dude, Sean O'Donnell, ladies and gentlemen, on the family cast, uh, Sean O'Donnell has uh, written some some of the Dogwood hits. He was in the band all uh, for the first three albums that were on Tooth and Nail Records, and then we transitioned to uh, Danny Montoya as our guitar player, and Sean produced that record. So he was with us through the tenure of our Dogwood career on Tooth and Nail Records. So um, if you've heard my band Dogwood, then you've heard Sean's either music on it or his touch on the production even on the songs that we did after our full-length albums he was he produced those as well in the studio with us uh, on the on the boards on the sound recording boards and of course you know after he left dogwood he he did reeve oliver and they had some rad success on on chad pearson's label the militia group and getting signed to capital we talk about all this stuff i don't want to give too much of the episode away but for those of you that don't know he went from reeve oliver to then playing in yellow card and had some more musical success with Yellow Card. So, so this guy has done it all. Theater, music, Dogwood, Reeve Oliver, Yellow Card, solo music projects uh, that he put out. Some stuff that never got released. We'll hear about that too. And also, he's a father of three, and he has a lovely family, lovely wife. Yeah, living the dream being a, being a baseball dad. So there's a long episode ahead of us. I'll talk to you afterwards a little bit about some stuff, okay? Here is my conversation with... Sean O'Donnell on the family cast. Food and music is life, yes? Yeah, it definitely is. So let's dig in. Woo! Uh, earlier today... We're celebrating. Hit, my son hit the walk-off. Uh, it wasn't a home run, it was a single, but it was a walk-off to win a, a walk-off single. game. Bigger than that was earlier today, like because I like we talked about he was in a slump, he was struggling. He was <laughs> weeping in my arms. I'm the worst player on the team. I can't do this. I'm awful. And we were out in the yard, like working on, you know, I was pitching to him and hitting and I, and I was like, all right, I got to have a dad moment. I sat him down. I'm like, why do you have so much fun back here hitting wiffle balls? He's like, cause it's easy. And I like held up a wiffle ball and held up a baseball. I'm like, look at the, the same size. I'm like, you need to go out there. You need to start thinking about it. Like we play back here. It's fun. And I go, and you need to start thinking positive. You've, you've gotten hits, you can do it. And so like that all paid off like bigger for me than them winning the game. Cause I don't care if a little league team goes to the playoffs or whatever, yeah. but my son had this lesson of like, if I, if I think if I use my mind differently than I'm doing it, I can do things I want to do. And it was like the ultimate 
it was like a it was like a baseball movie and i love you had the that you know, moment where the kid on the team who's been like struggling all year is the one who wins the game. It was, it was like, I was being punked, did it. You, but in a he's good like, way. He's like, I'm the worst daddy. You're like, no son, I'm the worst. <laughs> and <laughs> you're a, the best. <laughs> how about a catch? It, it, honestly, it, it, like, you know, it was an amazing moment. So I'm celebrating because more, more than them winning the game. It was as a father, it was like mm -hmm. just incredible. Yeah. A chance of, you know, teaching a lesson that he might remember forever. He or might. he'll forget it and that's you know what do you like do? Base, baseballs are wiffle balls guys <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like that's not the lesson that's at all not what i said that's not what we talked about <laughs> i was the worst now i'm the best <laughs> <laughs> he did have a few moments tonight and they, like the game the score was 18 to 17 because it's little league Dang. and i was like buddy you got to remember that you scored two of those 18 runs it was a team effort let's not get mm -hmm. ahead of it but i want to <laughs> also enjoy his accomplishment of you know yeah dad can i have a moment with my fans please winning the game <laughs> <laughs> can you he just give me a, a second he signed a shoe deal tonight i don't Dude, know what's happening celebrate man yeah, is that a yeah. is that a, a local craft uh, uh ale uh, lagunitas it's it's our it's like the stone of the north you know sure. what i mean yeah, yeah petalumi mm -hmm. yep that's yeah. good stuff i like yeah. lagunitas yeah they're good they've always yeah. been good um whimsical sure okay yeah ladies and gentlemen hey i'm here with uh mr sean thomas o'donnell um long long time listener first time caller this um, is true actually the person's supposed to say that but anyways yeah <laughs> and uh yeah that's uh i've known i've known sean since he was a, a wee lad uh 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 I don't even know what what age it was, but you were you were already in multiple multiple bands and stuff like that when I met you. And now here like, now yeah. here we are on the family cast talking about it, whatever, talking about it, your son hitting the walk off single. It's so amazing. I'll put, can, okay. You see you later. Is there a video? Can, I'll put. I'll send you the video so you can post it. Are you? Is it video or is it just audio? Well, right now we're. I mean, I see you, but video I, for the Patreons. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who really like zoom and people who really want to see my Zarape <laughs> in the background, we can do that. Yes. Um, um I, Hey man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember what a, day. what a day. I know. I know. I'm, I'm having a, it's been a good day, and, but you know, really the cake on the icing, the cake under the icing is getting to talk to you. Uh, the cake under the icing. I like yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I like yeah. the cake. I'm more of a cake guy. Um, let's remember I don't, I think that I might have met you before the van ride to Simi Valley. Yeah. Yeah. We have I, like yeah. in, but maybe in like a, Hey, what's up? Okay. We maybe the stomach monkeys open for dogwood, but I don't think ever we ever yeah. like talked. Probably not. Cause you were, you, you must've known, we must've met through like Rob Han or Dallas. Yeah. Um, somehow because, because the stomach monkeys, you know, it was the biggest band in El Cajon at the time. Right. <laughs> I don't. I think we were maybe like top forty, top the biggest, 50. the top one of the top fifty biggest bands of El Cajon. Also, those guys would argue that we were not from El Cajon. I don't. I don't think we were. I think we were technically from Claremont because that's where most of the members. Were. Oh, I think oh, I was okay. the only one from El Cajon in that band. Oh. <laughs> so they wouldn't be comfortable with that classification, and I'm not sure that I am, you know, comfortable with. Oh, maybe you know what it was. That was the first time I saw Stomach Monkeys. It was, was probably in El Soul Cajon. Kitchen. Yeah, right? so, I shop, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soul Kitchen, which is also where my first my first actual concert playing was before a different show, but like the same spot. 
shout like out. The first time you played a show was it? Soul yes. Kitchen? Yes. Really? Yep. I mean, I think the, I think so. The first time I played a like a venue outside of like you know high school stuff. Okay. Wow. Like a venue, venue, you know. Um, and that was a huge. That was a crazy story too, because the headliner didn't show up, and we had to we had to headline our first ever like real show like that. And was that Dogwood? It was. It was half off. Okay. Okay. So it was pre pre dog a little bit pre Dogwood. Yeah. Um, but we we ended up covering an Offspring song like three times in the set, and like <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. It was it was not to be it was not to be remembered. <laughs> do you do you remember Soul Kitchen? Was it before they moved the yeah. stage? Remember how they like it was the stage yeah. just was in the corner? Was it when it was at the corner or was it when they moved it to the back towards the end? Yeah. So I so I when we did it, it was the corner like it, the stage was by this by the street side. And then when yeah, you, so I saw the you corner, guys play, yeah. it was like on the kind of the side by the they music. They had store. moved it. Yeah. 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 So. That's so funny. Soul Kitchen, that was the first time I I didn't meet Dallas, but I saw him. He was uh, what was it? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think, is what they were called. That was uh, a band name. You know, you they they were small enough that they weren't going to get sued. <laughs> it might have been the, they might have just been called like the Mutant Turtles or something. Oh wow! But Dallas was the singer. I think Gorney played bass. Did you just do finger quotes on the singer? <laughs> Dallas was the yeah. singer. <laughs> he, he's well, he's listening and he he understands and knows that that's kind of sure. how we. No, would. I still I, I still get just, that myself. I think he had a notebook and was just reading. So I don't actually know if there was any singing, but it was the first yeah. time that I met him. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. That's cool. I, I'll never forget. I like went to call my mom because I needed a ride. And as I'm like on the phone, these like guys walked by. And this guy, as he passes me, goes, mom, come pick me up. The show sucks. And like, <laughs> they all started laughing. And even I was laughing because he was right. It was pretty bad. It was pretty gnarly. But it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't half off. It was Dallas's band that I was watching. Right. Uh, oh yeah so i mean so basically that was what's the been so we're ladies and gentlemen we're talking about 1990 something here we're talking about early 95 maybe maybe it, 94 i don't know I, we're talking I like think, eons. I think for me i'm thinking 95 96 and i think that was around the time maybe 95 i think is when the, they opened it and that was mike fenton he was my first boss he owned uh, he's so cool I love Mike. He's a farmer yeah. now. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, he's in Fallbrook. Uh, he um, owned Music Music, which I know a lot of people in the East County music scene had yeah. been there to get a guitar or get strings. And so he gave me mm -hmm. my first job. Um, but before that, I was definitely a patron of Music Music, but also Soul mm -hmm. Kitchen. Yeah, that's that's cool that he did that. He's and now he's a farmer, and now he teaches he teaches like free music lessons to to like you know students and stuff like that. Kids, oh, that's awesome. Ukulele and guitar, uh, I think once a week, and and he's still doing his farm. So like all around, super awesome dude, farmer Fenton. Um, I'm a big fan. He, like he was huge like, fan. So nice to me, and was like, and I think he was the one where I was talking to him because his daughters did CYT and I did CYT, and he's like, and I was talking mm. to him like. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, like, I think I just not gotten into college, and he's like, "Well, you want to come work for me?" And I was like, "Yeah." And that was it was like as simple as that. He was just Man, kind of there at the right time, and it was like it was a really fun place to work. And this sounds like a uh, another. It sounds like you're writing another movie right here, or your story is, have, is a hallmark. My life movie. <laughs> is full of these, all these like really. They all last like an hour. These little moments. I was ah, thinking yeah. about it the other day. I'm like, I need to start writing them down. Like, and this involved you when Shock G passed away. I was like, 
I was on their I mean, bus rest, rest in peace, but yeah, exactly. Rest in peace. But what I'm saying is, is like, as these people are passing away, I'm like, I have a memory of them yeah. because I, yeah. and I was personally there yeah. where the story is, and I'll tell it real quick, is that Dogwood, we didn't open up for Digital Underground. We were the early show. Uh, and I don't remember the venue in Florida where- Sluggos. Sluggos, where Digital Underground was a late show. And they were there early when we played and they were like, hey, you guys are great. You want to come hang out? And we we're like, yeah. <laughs> and we ended up on their bus and, not, and nothing nefarious. It was like very kind of this, like them playing music and being cool to us and maybe offering mm -hmm. us like snacks and stuff. <laughs> hey, hey, stuff like that where it was like, <laughs> it only lasted like two hours, but I'm like, I need to write that down because I forget it to the point that mm -hmm. I think I'm making it up when I bring it up. Oh, totally. No one, and some of those tour stories like that, no one might believe, you know, when they say, what's your, what's the coolest band you ever opened or whatever. And I'm like, that was definitely. Yeah. A, so that was Pensacola. Yes, you know, slug, Sluggos, legendary club, two-story club, two-level club, and Digital Underground, uh, you know, Humpty Dance and all that. It was yeah. it was pretty gnarly. They were they showed up to the stage like two hours late because yes. they could. You know, yeah. everyone's like everyone's like, we'll wait, <laughs> we'll wait. And we got to see the do? Humpty Dance. What else are you gonna do? But like <laughs> that kind of thing where do? I'm like, I have to write that down. I don't like I won't remember yeah. that that happened. Yeah, that we we really jumped forward there from from uh stomach so back to... to a van <laughs> back to a van ride from uh, from probably escondido to i was yelling in your ear lag wagon okay. songs yes for three yes. hours maybe four hours it might have been longer it's a long drive and that's that was my baptism in the the world of josh <laughs> we were we were i'll just tell you well this person i'm talking to sean o'donnell was a guitar player in a band i was in and we were called dogwood right this is true. And his his first show, he joined after our, our original guitar player. Uh, I don't remember the whole story about that part, but how Sean Sean ended up at this show, and his first show was a big old skate demo in Los Angeles area, Simi Valley, uh, and uh, five thousand people or so. I think Five Iron Frenzy and maybe another punk band. It was definitely uh, Five Iron. It might have been Value Pack. And I still I had my I had just had broken my arm, so I had my robot arm. My snowboarding accident. Yes, my robot Robocop gun arm. And uh, anyways, I, you were still in school and we went to the show and we hazed you. We hazed you yeah. so hard. Yeah. Was, but you did it. I, you did it after the show, at least. It was but even if we did, it was a fun way, but it was just a it was just a it was such a gnarly show to do it at because there's so many people. You gave me a wedgie in front of like 4,000 people. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, I would, I, what, a, what a dick. <laughs> I just wanted the job. I, you you could have, you know what I mean? I didn't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way I remember that week went like this, speaking back to Music Music, I was at Music Music working and yeah. Russell showed up and was like, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, can you learn all of our songs? We have this show. And I was like, yes i can do that and so i think i think that was monday i think wednesday i practiced with russell and with sean and you weren't there right um and that went well enough that they were like okay we'll play the show on saturday because i think monday night and tuesday night i was just like mom i'm locking my door i have like 15 songs to learn i have 15 songs that are <clears throat> 22 minutes long each to learn and I oh. <laughs> and I knew I knew some of them. I was a fan of the band. In fact, I had seen you. I think recently at Soma. I remember watching you at Soma with the cast. Okay. Like, do you remember? I mean, that couldn't have been that much earlier than that, where Jace had played that show, and I was there. Oh, okay. Um, 
So I was a fan and I knew this, I knew some of the songs, but I didn't, I didn't know how to play all of them. So wow. I had to like really crash course it. And I did, a, <laughs> I did a good enough job. I think that, like I said, that, you know, they didn't, I mean, I'm sure there was discussion between Sean and Russell, but like, we might have to cancel if you can't pull it <laughs> off, you know? I think you did it. But I think you did it. I at least, I, I at least, I at least got through it enough where they're like, okay, we'll try out, we'll go to the show on Saturday. Yeah. So. And then, and then, uh, and that must've been right when we were, finishing recording through thick and thin you had done because we did the five song you did you had done the five songs i was there for the rest of it so yeah I remember, that, yeah so, that so you were like, there at the studio yeah i think because i remember i was still a i was a senior and so i think i took time off of I, this all happened pretty quick i think it was, it was in, very quick like, within a couple weeks very quick yeah <laughs> that's the music that's life funny. baby we just said hey screw school you got to come do the <laughs> do the punk rock yeah, in the van. I, I think little uh behind I the I scenes. I don't think I, I never I didn't I didn't go in thinking I was gonna be writing songs. I it was more right. like right. I think Sean Sean and Russell had written everything and it was just like this is we're gonna play the, the songs because yeah. we already have them and I was fine. I think I just wanted to go and be a part of it. So uh, yeah, it worked out it worked out rather nicely in you know for the upcoming uh tenure of your career with us. Yeah. And so you know I mean we're we'll get into some rad music i think details of our our lives and how they intersected in that and in and out of dogwood and stuff like that and also it's it's the food and music is life you know podcast so we want to i want to find out we want to talk about food and you know you've been i know as a dad you do more cooking and all this kind of stuff so yeah we're going to yeah, get yeah. into some of that stuff i need we need to go back even a little bit further a little more local details to how you got so involved in music and theater in general like how sure. are you how are you such this person that you <clears throat> could go work at a music store and then all of a sudden join a band two days later and all this kind of stuff. Like how, how did you get that bug? Play. I didn't do anything on the record. I probably should have stayed in school. I, I graduated and it was fine, but I, I don't think I ended up doing anything other than hanging out. No, you did. You were, you sang a little bit of backup vocals on that. Cause I mean, I sing some. some, I think, I mean, let's be honest. We, we were kind of finishing writing that in the studio. So yeah, in I your life, it, I think it was early. I think like my parents were both big um, music fans. My mom was a piano player. She was a a piano major in, in college um, before quitting that to go into teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and my dad has always been a big music fan. A lot of records in my house growing up. Mm. Um, and I think just listening to a lot of songs. And then like, I remember kind of when I kind of took on my own like love of music and like listening to like the radio like whereas like we didn't have cable when I was a kid but I had this you know, we had like the big entertainment center with that had the like stereo yeah and I would just sit there and like turn the dial and like that's what I would do mm -hmm. for fun was like find pop stations and listen to music and I would play air drums on the I remember like on our couch um, and so I just became hooked like with, with songs and, mm -hmm. and like catchy songs. And yeah, it's just been there since I can remember. Um, and then I think, I think at some point my uncle had bought a guitar for my cousin and he was like not interested and they knew that I was really into music. And so then like that ended up coming to me, um, <clears throat> where it kind of just kind of sat there for a while. I think I was maybe eight and not ready with my fingers to try to learn. Uh -huh. And then, of course, it was nice that it was there when I turned, you know, 11 and 12 and grunge happened and all of a sudden it was like music that I could play. Um, you know, right. it wasn't this like the music in the late 80s was very technically difficult <laughs> for, a, for a nine year old. So right. 
and then you know uh pearl jam and nirvana comes along and it's like oh i can play some of these mm -hmm. and so i think that's what kind of kicked it off was like we had moved to San Diego when I was 10 and my mom wanted me to get involved with something. Cause I, you know, I, I, I liked playing sports, but I wasn't really good at it. And so there was like a theater organization. She's like, let's sign you up for this. I I'm also not a great singer or dancer, but I turned out to find other people who were kind of interested in music the way I was. And so that mm -hmm. was big because I found other people like-minded in terms of like playing music. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of really where I got my start with other people. About 10 yeah, years I think, old I think or so. Like maybe 11, 11 <laughs> 10 or yeah. 11. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a good, that's a ripe age for discovering or, or learning, you know, I think at that age, I was getting into some, some, some musics, just anything I could to maybe, maybe start rebelling a little bit, you know, or having my own thing yeah. um, without, yeah. without knowing it, but yeah. Yeah. And then how, why, if your mom did piano, how did you get such a, how did you get such a, actually you did, you did bass, right? I, I started with guitar. Um, I, my mom, my, I, my mom never wanted to sit down and teach me how to play piano. And <laughs> um, I, I don't blame her for it. I mean, I think there's some things that like, it's better off having someone else teach your kid how to do, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I, you know, I, like whatever. I, I think, I think I was never probably like gonna stick with putting the time into it too. Piano's tough. I have both yeah. of my kids in piano, but I don't teach them piano. I pay someone to teach them piano. You teach um, them wiffle ball. It's working. Walk yeah. off. <laughs> you did Walk it. Walk off. We did it. I'm done. I'm done. There's a game on Thursday. Oh, okay. I guess we're not done. So, you know, guitar was like, that's, that was so cool. I think mm -hmm. I really wanted to play drums, but my mom, my mom was like, you're not, we're not buying you a drum yeah. set. The neighbors are going to call the cops. So, you know, guitar was something where I could play it in my room and I could play along with with the songs and um, and I just loved it. I would just sit there and play and play, um, you know, and it, it just was one of those things, like I, like I said, I was always really a big fan of music, but then like transitioning into like, okay, I'm gonna play it now. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play it with other people. Yeah. You know, it's really exciting and obviously really clumsy. Those mm -hmm. years of like, you know, Dave Grohl says like, go get in a, in a garage and be awful for a long time. And it was a lot of that, you know, but those are yeah. really important years. So you learn not only how to play your instrument, but how to play with other people, mm -hmm. um, which I think is the thing I'm maybe the best at was like, no one has ever come up to me after a show and been like, hey, man, you can shred. But I learned early on how to play with a drummer, how to play with a bass player, how to play with a singer so that I could I could kind of be be my part in a band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what was, I mean? that, was that from the theater? They taught you that in theater? I don't think they taught me that in theater, but I think that was like part of something I maybe learned subconsciously or just, you know, um, because a lot of it wasn't necessarily just playing music for theater, but playing music with other people I met through theater. Like, okay. you know, someone I, like, I, I met a guy who played drums. And so we would go play at his parents' house. He had like a basement, we can go play. Nice. All right. And then like, just those years of like, you know, trying to listen to someone else while you're playing like totally. that, how crucial that is and how sometimes people still aren't doing that even at like the highest levels right <clears throat> um those kind of really basic things that serve you you know well later totally yeah, yeah that's that's something uh i i mean now that your kids are in music right do you teach them stuff do you t teach them anything that you learned in that or you just let them let the teachers do that 
right now where where they're at we're like my oldest has done like maybe two or three years of piano and my daughter's done maybe a year and a half to two i'm still just kind of letting them i really try not to push anything at my kids um like unless i need like today i needed to step in because like i said he was having a really yeah. hard day yeah. I, you know with baseball it's like if you don't want to play that's cool we want you to do something we were doing swimming before the pandemic mm-hmm. and he was really good at that but i really I want my kids to find things that they love. Yeah. And I want to like then just help them. I I really am not the dad who's like, you're gonna do this. Although yeah. I did tell them both they were gonna do swimming because I was like, that's I don't care if you <laughs> if you don't want to. I want to be able to push you into a pool and you can get out. Like that's yeah. my job as a dad. Um <laughs> luckily yeah. with piano, I was like, let's try this because if you can learn piano at this age, that's your best chance of being better when you're older. Sure. So. The other the, the other end of dadding fathering is uh, instead of pushing, 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 it's like, uh, oh, you don't like it? Just give up. Don't do it. Don't, don't worry about it. No, Dude, no push I, at all. You know? tr- don't, don't worry about it. We, I definitely t- like today was a roller coaster. <laughs> there was definitely like, you're not showing up to the game, huh? Okay, I'll tell coach. You're not going to be there. Uh, you, know? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I it's, yeah. being a dad is tough. It's oh yeah, hard. oh yeah, for so, sure. You know, no, I, I you've been it. there. Oh, I'm, I'm still there. Yeah, they're still, they're still, they're still around. <laughs> you're always um, there. <laughs> oh man joining getting into dogwood is i think even when you jo- even when you came into the band full-time and was our uh as you know as the guitar player like we were still i think we were still like babies in the band in general like we i mean two two full-length records what does that mean when you're just in, i my first one was coming right out of high school and stuff so like by the time you yeah. joined i think that's when we were just just reaching the the bottom of the roller coaster hill going up you know what i mean um like we had some local following but like it was it was a good time you know to do that well you know plus with the independent record that we did and all that kind of stuff with with uh you know he who shall not be named uh trying to get us signed and stuff like that so you know <laughs> you know all this kind of stuff um that was a whole thing in itself but it, in so much so that it, that it even encouraged you to title some of your songs after that experience on, with Revolver, you know? <laughs> yeah, talking about, you're talking about our ex-manager that, yeah, that uh, yeah. it didn't end well with. Well, like, so what I remember is, is um, you guys kind of, it happened at a time where like MXPX was becoming a thing, mm-hmm. you know, where they weren't a local band anymore. They were like a touring band and, and that type of music <clears throat> was huge. Yeah. Um, we'd go to soma and see pennywise we'd see blink um and and i remember dogwood like being like such a big deal locally and i don't think i had a like an idea of kind of where you guys were nationally i know you guys had toured maybe mm-hmm. you had done cornerstone the year before i joined or did had you done yeah yeah we, had, we, we did it for we did it for each record um okay but, uh, but you know what is what does touring mean when you don't have a following it's like just driving yeah. who, who will let us play and who can we yeah. who, who will come watch us but yeah we had gone some 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 national driving had to happen before you came on yes. yeah and you so yeah good old days was out and then you had also just released the five song yeah. ep which i was like this is so i was so into it i was so excited i mean for me just so you know and I'm, i mean you know this is like joining was like such a huge deal i was in high school Right. You know what I mean? And I was in a band before called the Stomach Monkeys. There's no reason why (laughs) I should have ended up in like, you guys were my favorite band. And so 
for me as a 17 year old, I was like, this is insane. This is amazing. I was so excited Yeah. and maybe too excited, but I mean, I, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just incredible how things, again, like my life is just all these moments where I'm just like, I can't believe. I know. Are you writing this down right now? <laughs> I got to start writing. I was yeah. in Dogwood. It's like, yeah, you were in Dogwood for like six years. I know, but oh, yeah. I got to write it down. Yeah. Um, um, totally. Yeah. I, I totally know what you're saying. And, um, uh, in, in that, uh, that time in San Diego, it's like almost, it was like, there was obviously, you know, the bands you mentioned and, and, and then, uh, convert on the other, another genre would be in like ska punk and POD, you know, those, they're, those guys in hardcore. And we, we were San Diego at the time had a lot of punk bands. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was easy for us and good for us to, to be doing that at the time. Cause we could open up for all the bands that came through amazing we could get on any show with most of the bands that came through that was amazing an amazing time to be a a, a band who who liked all those bands coming through you know uh it was it was fun it was a great part of of the the band's existence and uh wouldn't wouldn't trade that for anything of course because we had some rad shows on the main stage and and other big venues and stuff like that like you know sports arena and all that kind of stuff just because oh, yeah you know just a bunch of young bozos trying to trying to trying to make it to the big leagues and stuff but we uh, but like i feel like we also never took any of that for, like we enjoyed every single second of all of oh those. yeah i mean like oh, yeah. i remember being like you, you know then i remember playing with no use and strung out and we were the whole time we was like we're playing with no use and strung out. i know like, and i mean yeah. it never it never stopped it never got old we were you know always so excited Totally. to do anything and especially those shows of those bands yeah. were like you know or playing with like no motive remember playing with no motive and being like these guys are amazing yeah i do i do i talk about <laughs> i talk about some of those favorite shows a lot you know because um, yeah. as i as i am a guest on other stuff and people ask me favorite memories i'm like yeah 10 foot pole melancholy all those melancholy dude yeah. i still listen dude. to them weekly or, or even just seeing or even just remembering the venues and you know <laughs> even house of blues with thrice or like anything like that like it, just those fun memories of things that uh you would put in your book for example uh, a, a memoir of of the highlights and stuff like that and then you know of course we have to talk about you know taking evan all the way to alaska and back and <laughs> look, uh, uh jumping on a, jumping on a trampoline with a moose in front of us and all this kind we, of stuff you know um like survived. those are kind of we survived. Uh, i don't we should not have survived that trip for multiple reasons um, I think any band that toured like in a van ever, it's amazing that they survive. I mean, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. We survived, but we were like a, we were a sober band. You know how many bands are out there driving and like, yeah, it's amazing that any band where you have mostly 20 year olds, like under 25 totally. ever came back. You <laughs> know, know what I mean? Like yeah, it's totally. just insane. You're driving like four tons of heavy machinery probably way too fast and yep. you know what i mean tired yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was unadvisable for the whole genre for anyone to go out on the road yeah. but we I'm did gonna, it and we came home i will tell a story right now about we, uh us on tour and you were driving it was your it was your shift and you go oh. you know we, we stopped for gas and you go you know what josh do you ever get the feeling where you just see the brake lights <laughs> you just see the brake lights approaching and you just kind of don't want to stop you just want to like plow through the whole <laughs> no, just, i didn't say that did it was I? like two in the it was like two in the morning right and you're like do you ever get just get that feeling where you just want to like just boosh, and what you're would happen o'donnell's such... off the wheel yeah, that's what i said i said i said you're up oh, you're out you're of done. here kid you're done. get out of here 
I got COVID. I'm done. I'll take. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the wheel. So, uh, so yeah. The that was, joke that was, was that I said that because I wanted to be done driving and it worked. Exactly. You get. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember all the rules that we had of the van of like DJ and driving and all this stuff, but yeah, that that was a funny one. And then a, another one was somehow, somehow we always used to play these kind of pranks uh <laughs> on uh that we saw in like surfing videos and snowboarding videos where they would just do stupid things like throw themselves in a dryer or whatever um but at the gas station somewhere in maybe georgia i picked up the squeegee for the windshield right <laughs> you're coming out with your big your big old 32 ounce 64 ounce soda mug coffee and perfect yeah. the perfect uh <laughs> olympic toss of the car wash squeegee across all the way across the parking lot i huck it and it somehow nails you in the mug and like hits you in the leg and like Coke, <laughs> Coca-Cola goes all, all over your, because we're always wearing swimming trunks and flip-flops. So it's, it's, you're just out. soaked. Yeah. Soaked with whatever, whatever funk was in the squeegee sponge, right? Like whatever road funk was in there. Plus I'm like, Oh, Donald, check it out. And uh, do you remember that one? No. Oh. oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it was, it was, I was impressed with the shot myself, like how it, how far that just perfectly. Yeah. This whole podcast is going to turn into tour stories and that's probably fine. Do you remember fine. when we were on our way to Alaska and you took a squeegee and <laughs> you cleaned the trailer? Yeah. The, trailer <laughs> the trailer was, it was a white trailer yeah. and yeah. it was completely brown and you took a squeegee and cleaned the whole thing and the attendant came out and was really mad at you because you had dirtied the water. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so dirty. It was so dirty and you took and you cleaned it like it was like a car wash yeah. when you were done with it and like I know. You, you looked down at the squeegee and the water and it was like mud <laughs> i i i remember that because i remember russell and evan coming out of the van being like whoa the trailer is so clean <laughs> it's so sparkly it's so sparkling clean it's like lemon fresh and there's a guy inside yelling yeah. at you we're like well gotta go to gotta go to moosehead or whatever oh um, whatever i wish called you know, the, the one thing about touring that I think about with us in that era is like, we were, cl we were closer than most bands are ever going to be because we didn't have smartphones. We had to like sit with each other for months on end right. and talk and listen yeah. to music and talk about music. Mm -hmm. And now you can just check out, you know what I mean? Like what well, we had stuff, like, I think everyone like had a Game Boy or maybe like, you yeah. know, a Walkman was a big deal. You'd like, I don't want to listen to whatever the driver's listening to. But for the most part, we had to just like exist face to face. Yeah. And that was important. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why I feel still feel close to you is because you and I had a different <laughs> relationship that we would have had if we were touring now. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we never did a bus. So we were always, no. like we never got to that. Uh, I mean, I guess we could have maybe. I don't know. But I don't even know. But, but we didn't. And then... <sighs> We, we we had a van so big the van was so big though that we we played wiffle ball in the van until someone hit the wiffle ball out of the van and then <laughs> and out of the, threw the bat i think yeah. that lasted oh, for like a I week think, i think i threw the bat out i was like well no ball no go. bat <laughs> that's so funny so you got no ball you ain't got no bat i remember the one like yeah we didn't have the bus but i did at one point convince the band to spend 300 bucks on the d like the dc powered tv Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, no one, everyone was like, we don't want to spend money. I'm like, come on, let's do it. We're on the road for another two months. And then we had like the eight inch yeah. screen and we'd play Tony Hawk. Mm -hmm. 
which was great. That was when we finally got like a PlayStation. That helped yeah. the time go by. Yeah, and we for had sure. Movies and stuff. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my um, gosh. I know. Sorry. I, I just remember so many I, memories. Well, that no, well, that's fine because that Alaska tour is has been talked about on most a lot of episodes now even in and even other ones that i do because when i talk about food and like i remember because well okay last hopefully maybe maybe not but the last story about alaska was remember when we went to their house the yes. family's house that was hosting us and they were literally breaking down a caribou to <laughs> preserve the meat for the winter i had a, a picture island like a big huge kitchen island and i yeah. was it did we show up there and that we was showed what up. was happening we showed up while like, they were finishing we're staying here for a week and this is we're what's like, going on they are gonna murder us or there and then but i remember because the son the nine-year-old son had hunted the animal with a bow and arrow or yeah. crossbow or something we're like what and then i have the picture i have the actual film picture of two of us holding the heart somebody yeah, sl- i, I remember was, slick shoes was there maybe too no it was right? um no this was uh john paul peters from, oh, from so this was, okay so it was who's yeah, now a, who's now a big time producer dude i know he's <clears throat> does like propaganda records yeah so he's so he him and i were holding the heart uh but yeah anyways like so that was just a fun uh, i tell this food story a lot because uh that was part of our part of our touring was this whole that whole food experience we're like what the what is what are did they we, doing did we end up ha- i don't remember eating any of what they had yeah did, we, did did. We? I, we did i ended up i ended up cooking tacos for some of the leftover meat we're like well uh i guess we're we're staying here we're gonna be uh, i mean you know it was a new experience for all of us i i, I had never have and, and still never have had that same meat but sure wow what an experience you know yeah after, after eating subway and fish and chips all the, all, all the way up there from washington to alaska um wow here's some moose tacos or whatever you know i so i listened to chad's the one with chad yeah and i feel like what was left out was that like chad wanted to fly and they're like no we can't fly you yeah but they did fly <laughs> slick shoes I, yeah. I just want i want everyone to know that i don't know if you've had any of those guys on the podcast yet but, but those softies flew to alaska luxury and then they're like all right we gotta fly home and i'm like okay bye oh yeah they were at the shows huh they right. yeah they played the the big because we played a week of shows and they played just the big one right right um what yeah a time. i think i think we could have flown and maybe we just wouldn't have made any money and that's when you say we're not gonna go <laughs> now we know yeah that's what you normally say but we said no, we'll drive from San Diego to Alaska <laughs> in a van that Jason and I found in the auto trader for $2,700. Oh, it's Moses. an 83 conversion van. <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, Nothing went wrong is what's amazing. We made it was just actually, really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, I don't think we had any problem except for when I almost shocked myself to death trying to charge the battery one time in a parking lot. And, uh, but yeah. That's neither here nor there. I'm still here. I'm still alive. Amazing times. That van was worth worth the money. I think maybe it was maybe three grand. It was not more than $3,500. I can wrap up that part of the story by saying that our good friend, our mutual friend, Matthew Aragon, ended up with that van. That's right. (laughs) Does he still have it? Uh, No. You got to do the podcast in the van. (laughs) I know. The podcast, the van is my new studio. It's big enough. But um, anyways, yeah, Sean, what? Josh. Yeah, 
just just random i'll throw this question out to you and I you don't have it. to answer it at this so second fun. but um you know because obviously you have a you have a a long storied music career at you know after dogwood too but what in in dogwood itself what's what's like a song that you're really proud of oh yeah um i love control mm, that's a good one um did i write the lyrics to that yeah i wrote yeah, yeah. like so yeah i and, feel and like... i remember you were afraid to you were afraid to approach us with the song and and nick rasky linux and and then we're like let's just do it and see how it comes out. And, and, and with a tape reel, like it just sounded, it came out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when I listen back to some of the Dogwood songs where I wrote the lyrics, it feels a little like I was regurgitating like Bible study, you know, like mm -hmm. I didn't always stick the landing on, on some of the stuff I was trying to get across. And again, I was like 18, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> <clears throat> that one I'm though i feel like i'm guilty of that too you know i always felt like you you had a you were at a higher level than i was poetically um and so you know i th think i was i think like i'm glad you let me write i mm -hmm. think that i i kind of had to learn some hard lessons while doing so you know i had to kind of like in front of people um but i love that one i think that one came out really Totally. Um, yeah. Really good. Mm -hmm. Is there any songs that you, so speaking of like your lyrical stuff or whatever, is there any songs that you're like, uh, you know? Yeah. I'm I, wish, I don't, or... I don't know. And, and it wouldn't be like songs, but maybe just like a passage where I was like, Oh, that's kind of oh, okay. a little cringy. Like sure. just, I didn't, I just didn't quite get it. I was close, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, fine. Yeah. Totally. I mean, was it the same way in, say, like Reeve Oliver, or or did you write any lyrics for like Yellow Card? Um, I did write some lyrics for you. I I think because Reeve Oliver was so much more personal that I don't look back on it and cringe as hard. I think it was. I think it's not a secret that it's hard. It's hard to write kind of evangelical lyrics that come across that really hit home in a, mm -hmm. in a great way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, be, yeah. Artistically. I, I think like, I think that was my struggle yeah. is that um, I want to, I want to get my point across in a way that's artistic and I, I want it to be, <clears throat> I want it to like kind of meet multiple goals. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the challenge. And I think right. I sometimes would get it. And I think sometimes I wouldn't. And again, like I said, I was very young and I was totally. trying. Um, and hindsight is 2020, I, you know, but like, but I don't feel bad about any of it, you know? No, no, I, I, I thought about this too. I don't feel bad per se. It's more like, oh, well, or also, you know, when you, you said I, I, the poetic part of it is like, I, I would try to write in a way that's a, almost like a story or a conversation between two people that are maybe trying to talk about something evangelical and somebody who doesn't want to hear that or something like that. And sometimes in the song, or, or it's like, even if I'm doing food, it, the end result is not always what I was trying to portray. Uh, and it, it's like, it kind of works and it's like maybe good tasting or good sounding, but what I really wanted was some, maybe something a little bit tweaked, uh, something a little bit different, or if I'm trying to, relay my own experience in say with my relationship with my dad or church or this you know something bad that happened or whatever you know it doesn't always come across in two minutes 
Sure. You can't, you can't do that in two minutes. Always. There, sometimes we, I think sometimes there were some home runs, but like, yeah, there's some parts that were like, oh, I, now that I'm smarter or whatever, I could put a, I could have put a different word on that line or, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's not necessarily a regret. It's more like, oh yeah, now I, now I even understand what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And a couple of things to that. It's hard for any songwriter to not look back and go, oh, yeah. why did that? You know what I mean? Like you'd be surprised the people who songs you love probably can't even listen to them. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, the other thing is, is I think it's it's important to think about with Dogwood, and sometimes I forget this, is we made like four records in three years. So right. we were, and this was mostly self-imposed in terms of like, yeah. we want to keep putting records out, but we probably should have been like, let's take a year and a half and make, you know what I mean? I think we were just like churning out music because we wanted to, and no one was stopping us really. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Whereas most bands would have made maybe two albums where we made three. Sure. and yeah and i and so you know and again people don't look back on dogwood and say oh, i wish they would have made less records but it's something that i think about in terms of my where we were and like man we were really pushing it you know yeah. Yeah. we would we would do an album release and be like all right here's the plan for the next record where like we should have probably like lived in the moment a little bit longer you yeah. know i mean maybe maybe so yeah like um but uh like to and to your point like they didn't like they didn't stop that from happening <laughs> i remember uh, i think yeah. we talked uh, bill power tried to i remember like like the two the two so we did more than conquerors i, I don't know if you want to go back but we did more than conquerors yeah. and then we were like right away like let's do another record and bill was like no no <laughs> and then i was like i'm gonna send you demos and then i sent him i think eight songs and it was like a lot of what was on building better me and he's like all right we can start talking about it yeah. and then with matt aragon what happened was is we weren't ready but they were like you can go record with ryan green in january and we're like we're ready we'll make an album and yeah. so i love that album but we were definitely like duct taping things together yeah and just trying to put something together so that we could make a record with ryan green that's what we really wanted to do true true um did you have i mean i wanted to touch on something lo uh, not locally but like a you know recent and relevant topic is may is mental health awareness month did you write did you happen to write any songs about that ever like mental struggle mental issues mental health with you or someone you know i'm trying to think if i've ever so I don't think I've ever touched on that specifically. Um, but I think that, I mean, being creative for me is a big part of my mental health. Oh yeah. Um, totally. And so whether I'm not, I've actually like, I, there's a song on the last Reeve record called um, Endless Bummer, which is about songwriting. And it's mm -hmm. kind of about like my struggle with that kind of negative thoughts, the things I was talking to my son about today versus mm -hmm. like, you know, the pursuit of creation and like that struggle that I always deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so baseball not stuff. like, not like, yeah, baseball, baseball stuff. stuff. So not like on the nose, but being creative for me is a huge part of me being, you know, mentally yeah. healthy. Well, on uh, uh, Matt Aragon record Juice, we, we wrote that about yeah, song, that, the songwriting process for writing for other people. Yes. You know? And that was, oh my God, Juice is like, I'm literally like saying, 
yeah. I need a break. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is a part See, of mental You were talking to yourself. Like, <laughs> where I remember I was writing that whole, most of the lyrics I wrote on that one, I was like writing while I was in college because I was like taking classes and I'm like, I got to finish this song. Oh yeah. What did he say? All right, never mind. I got to get back to this verse. So that was, <laughs> I think Juice was in, in reaction to like Tooth and Nail being like, hey, if you guys want to do this record, we got to get it like done in two months. And I was just like, ah, squeeze yeah. me, squeeze me like I'm citrus, you know, like, <laughs> um, I like that one. I like that, that song. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good songs, uh, you know, uh, if, 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 if there was a, if, if ever we could do a vanity project and just like do a breakdown of every single like, you know, record or song or whatever, like, I think it helps explain it helps explain everything that you're trying to say. But at the same time, as an artist, you don't, I, or me personally, I don't always want to explain it. I want people sure. to interpret it. And I think sometimes if I have to, if I have to explain every single thing, um, I wouldn't know where to start, you know? I think I, you're, I think some of your lyrics are, are, have the complexity that they don't need to be explained. I just basically just told everyone that I was trying to you know, get through philosophy class. And I was just like, oh, fine, I'll write that. Squeeze <laughs> me like a, my juice is running down my leg. I don't know what yeah. that means. Yeah. Um, but it works. It works. You but know? it was then, it worked. How does it how does it go from like songwriting for, you know, Dogwood to then going to Reeve Oliver? And how did you hook up with yeah. O and Brad? Like, how yeah, did you, get yeah, yeah. O and Brad? you know, like that's crazy. Um, Reeve Oliver was happening. <laughs> while I was in Dockwood, you used to make fun of it. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, I know. I know. So like, I, I would be asleep in the back. I remember being asleep in the back of the van and I'd hear you driving and you go, <laughs> you would say, Ash Ole. <laughs> <laughs> ah! um, so I had always, I was always a big indie rock guy since, like I said, yeah. going back to grunge and following yeah. into that. And like, I love the Lemonheads and Dinosaur Jr. I love You got that Lemonheads poster right there. I see Lemonheads. That's because Reeve Oliver opened for the Lemonheads. Ah, and so that's so like, awesome. I, that's definitely for me. In fact, in the, there's a, um, why is that not in your book? There, that's, that's why it's on the wall. So I remember, because uh -huh. by the way, you were just like, you got that Lemonheads poster. And I'm like, yeah, I got the Lemonheads poster. The one where I opened for them. <laughs> exactly. You know which one I'm done? I can't find. And like, I can barely even find um, like proof that it exists is that we opened for the breeders at yeah. slims in, in san francisco uh -huh. and i would kill for that poster oh, totally. totally and i might just make one and like just guess the date that we did it um that's awesome uh, there's a you see that kind of curled up piece of paper i just found that on ebay that's where we opened for bob mould and so i have to frame Whoa. that and put that over there and stuff like that we opened for bob mould anyway um so big fan of indie rock <clears throat> you and i went to see the breeders in yeah. uh glass house, glass house. like so I, I saw the writing on the wall with Dogwood. You guys were kind of like, we want to maybe just do this on the weekends. And I, I was maybe 20. I don't think I was 21 yet. Or I was just turning 21. Okay. Um, or maybe I was just turning 22. I was still like, I, I don't, I'm not ready to settle down. I didn't ha have anyone yeah. in my life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was like, I kind of saw that that might've been my move is to, to start doing that. And so started mm -hmm. recording uh, and originally it was Jason Harper, bass player of Dogwood, and it was Brandon um, from Noise Ratchet playing drums. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now with Delta Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. So we did that for a while. Uh, I think we did Matt Aragon. We did the like, oh, we did like the CD release weekend. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I think I'm done. I think we're, I'm going to leave. Yeah, we met at um, Islands. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Joe Chandler, one of my best friends, walked in to give his application to work for, for looking for a job. <laughs> oh, Joe Chandler. Joe, <laughs> Joe Chandler, you know, it was in my wedding. Like, we're sitting at the table and he just walks in and he hands like the thing. And I'm like, hey, Joe. He's like, hey, guys. Uh, hey, Sean. He hey, Sean. Do- he was a Dogwood fan. And I was like, yeah, I just quit the band. You were there. Um, so you guys were like, we want to start just doing this on the weekends. And I was like, I don't see myself like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to yeah. have enough going on Monday through Friday where, uh, you know, that's what I want to do. So we, you know, it, I feel like it was good terms that I left yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I think you guys kind of felt like I was maybe on my way out too. So, you know, that, man, it's, it's tough to remember that time. It was just a lot of songwriting. Mm-hmm. I was living at home, writing songs. Maybe we were starting to play shows. Um, and then I don't even think I met O until I ended up starting kind of producing records. Yeah. And I produced the next Dogwood record. Uh-huh. I think it was around that time that Jason was like kind of, kind of where I was a year before and was like, I'm going to leave. And then he didn't want to do Reeve anymore. I think Brandon with Noise Ratchet, they had gotten signed to American. And I was like, you're go- you got to go do this. You can't play drums and, the- and Reeve anymore. You're, you're going to go, yeah. you know, <clears throat> do this band. So Brad was someone I knew from going back to theater. And so he had already been playing, I think, before we met O. Because we were, I think it was, we were sharing a practice space with Fluff. Yes. So that's yeah. how Owen entered in the picture was like one day we're at the practice space and he's like, Hey man, what's going on? I'm like, Oh, my bass player is going to quit. I don't know what we're going to do. We have the show. And he's like, I'll learn all the songs. <laughs> and so he did. And it was like that. And then Revolver was a band for, you know, five years, seven yeah. six years. And it was we, really fun. It was like, totally. it, it, it was like starting a, a new thing again. Um, yep. We put out an EP and people really liked that. And like it won a San Diego music award yeah uh and chad who was our booking agent at the militia group was like hey i'm gonna start a label i'd love to do the record uh our friend ryan key who was in craig's brother i had seen him at the soma um with yellow card before yellow card was big i was like hey man what are you doing he's like i'm singing this band i went to see him i gave him the ep he called me that night like 2 a.m he's like this is so good so ryan was on board early on and kind of him and O were the engine that made Revolver go. Cause like, I never had the like, Hey man, you got to listen to my band. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two guys had enough of that in them that they like propelled us to Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't sell million records, but like we got to do all the things we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, I was the creative energy and then, O and then a lot of Ryan were the ones who like, you know, push it. What- what was uh, Ryan Key's involvement with Revolver? I didn't know that. So he, was... he managed. He he was well. I don't know if he officially managed us, oh. but he like he kind of unofficially. I mean, like us getting signed to Capital was a lot. Had a lot to do with Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, he took us on like every tour for like oh okay four years. So that right in itself is enough to say that like yeah, <clears throat> you know what I mean like. He didn't have to do Ooh. anything else other than being like Revolver's opening again. And it's like, we, you know, our audience, the people we could reach was just huge. Yeah. Um, so we ended up doing the record with Militia, uh, which I got to make. 
Um, and that was really fun. I got to spend a month. It was like, cause they were like, Hey, we can spend this amount of money. You can either go make a record with this guy for like 10 days. And I was like, I'll see you one better. I'm going to make the record myself and I'm going to spend a month. And that's what ended up being the first record. And then, um, Oh, had worked with Mark Trombino on a couple of fluff records. He's like, I'll call him and see if he wants to mix it. And I like, I remember where I was like, where I was when he called and was like, I want to mix this record. And I was like, I want you to mix this record. Yes. Yeah. So I was a huge fan. Of course. And I so want to get him mixed, on. Yeah, I want to talk to Mark. He mixed it and he did such a good job. Um, yeah. Sounds good. And so it was really fun to do that that record and then we got the tour on the record with yellow card this is when they were like blowing up this is 2003 yeah. 2004 i know they got big really fast um yeah i mean you know it was one of those things where they didn't they had been working for years and oh, yeah? touring and playing you know chain reaction like dogwood had yeah. um and built the following and like you know then they got a break with capital and then they wrote all these really great songs mm -hmm. and then they had this huge you know multi-platinum selling record and yeah, they deserved yeah. it. I mean, they, they, you know, it wasn't like it was like their first record. They had been doing a lot they were of lobster. Yeah. They were a lot. Yeah. We, remember, we listened to their stuff back when we were in Dogwood yeah. before yeah. Ryan even. So, I remember um, so I was just, you know, again, right place, right time. A lot mm -hmm. of help my, for my friends. And, uh, and it That's was so a cool. really exciting thing. And it was exciting to just be a part of, like, even going back to POD, I've had fun watching our friends have success yeah you know what i mean like yeah. i never i mean i don't I, I don't know people probably would my career is some people would be like i wish i could do that I, you know i never like made it in a huge way mm -hmm. i have really enjoyed watching other people that i know and respect sure you know yeah. blow up that's fun i love that's it fun. i'm not the like know, oh, yeah. oh why don't i get to do that i was like look pod's on mtv like you know yeah. call me or something like it was amazing totally yeah and it, yeah you're proud of the you're proud because you're we're close to them and, and you know and it's good to see you know even after leaving dogwood and you know dogwood stop stops playing and revolver still going and then you go into yellow card and then um you know like so uh you know how how long were you in yellow card so like going so going back so revolver we make the first record with militia yeah uh we get signed to capital which is amazing uh, -huh. uh yeah it was totally. really fun got to make that record uh we were like had finished the record and delivered it everyone loved it at capital in fact i had heard the quote was like man we usually don't get everyone on board you know for a record like this i remember sitting the last week neil avron's at the board like you know multi-platinum grammy yeah. award winning you know he's sitting there with head of vp of of a r uh and he's like yeah this is a hit record i'm just like here we go baby we did it you and then it. we would go for meetings for like, all right, we got to work on the artwork. We got to work on photo shoots. We'd go, every time we'd go to Capitol, there would be like one less floor occupied. And mm. we'd be like, something's not right. Something's, something, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> uh, and eventually what happened was is Capitol more or less went out of business. Um, EMI is like the head of all of this and, and they have Virgin and Capital and Capital wasn't making any money. And so they fired everyone uh, and they and they ended up cutting most of the bands, including us. Uh, so that was a really, really rough time for me because, you know, I, one year I'm like, yep, I just heard Neil Avron say hit record. Everyone loves the record. Here we go. I'm about to, you know, here's my career to being like, you guys are dropped. 
Uh. And you just made a record that has four songs that were on your last record. So good luck trying to go market that in San Diego. <laughs> it, uh. it, it, I want Burns on it again for the third time. We, we kept putting I want Burns on our record because Capital goes, we got to put I want Burns on the record. That's the, that's the single. We're going to release it to the, the globe. I know San Diego's heard it. Yeah. So like, but it, which is cool. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like when someone goes, Hey, look at me, you know, and, but you didn't say it. And then they run away and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that was basically yeah. what happened to us uh, with capital and that record. That's, that's what we did with preschool days. Yeah. Don't, don't put that on any more albums. Yeah. We've this heard hit, preschool baby. days. It's a hit baby. We got to make we, it radio length. We joke. Okay, Shut up, Brian. We would put up, <laughs> we put up an I Want Burns EP that just had five different versions of I Want Burns because we recorded it five different times, and that's a true story. I love that um, story. So, what like, you, what are your thoughts on Orange? <laughs> for what? <laughs> for what? <laughs> um, shout out to all the uh, Brain Candy fans out there. Um, I, I think I'm the only one. Or and I know yeah. we're the only ones. Yeah. So we get dropped. It's the biggest. It felt like it physically felt like I was dropped. Um, is it is it a big hit to your ego? Uh, it, it was a big it, hit to everything. It was like that was what I was like, gonna do. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I worked at SeaWorld and it was like you know what I mean. Yeah. I had not quit my job at SeaWorld at least because I didn't have to like go back and be like, can I come back and host the Dolphin Show? You know. <laughs> um, so, so that kind of just popped the balloon. Um, I think we tried to keep going. We probably lasted for another year and a half. I, I wasn't excited writing songs for the band. And eventually I was just like, I'm just tired. I'm going to probably get out of making music. I'm going to, you know, do something else. Hmm. Um, and I went, back, I went back to working at SeaWorld, I think, and also um, playing music in bars. It was paying the bills, right? So I was at least still working, you know, playing hmm. music. Um, and that's when Ryan, so yellow card had kind of gone through the same thing where they put out a record, they didn't get dropped, but capital didn't promote it. Yeah. Um, for the same reasons that like all the people who had signed them, at least most of them had gotten released or released fired. So Ryan was done with yellow card. They are on hiatus. One night we're both out doing something. He texts me like, what's going on with you? How you doing? I'm like, I'm singing <clears throat> cover songs in a bar. And he's like, well, we should start a band. And so that those texts started our my next kind of year and a half of work, which mm -hmm. was he and I working on something called Big F, which was a band that never played a show. We wrote a bunch of songs. I ended up <laughs> becoming, uh, I had like, I got a songwriting publishing deal with Universal. Um, we worked really, really hard, wrote a ton of songs, never could find a home for it. And right at the end of that was when Yellow Card was like, we want to do stuff again. And so there was kind of an opening for me to play bass. I know I just gave you like a 20 minute answer on how I got there the go. card, yeah. but I, there's steps there that have to be addressed because it was like, was really good friends with Ryan. And we had spent a lot of time with the rest of the guys on, on tour, but I didn't know them as well as I did him. So it was kind of like, <clears throat> they had me come in and try out similar to how it was when I joined Dogwood. <laughs> um, yeah. we went, I went up to LA and they rented a, a practice space and I went through all the songs and it was great. Uh, and then we went kind of right into writing, uh, when you're th thinking, say yes. So I wrote songs on that record with them and played bass and sang backups and then did that whole next year of touring. And it was amazing. It was the hardest I've worked in music, um, and really, really cool experiences that I'll yeah. never have again. <clears throat> um, it's awesome. 
Yeah, it was amazing. It was fantastic. I, I mean, like I was looking at my passport today of like all the places that I got to go. And uh, where's the best food you had? What? what Japan. What? Japan. I was going to say. Yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, like not just Japanese food. Like I remember having Italian food. Ryan and I like we were like really hungry. We had to get something quick. And like the closest thing right around the corner was this Italian place. And I'm like, all right. And we, were, we were eating. <laughs> we were eating going like, this is so good. If there was a Sabaro there, it would be four <laughs> times better than an American Sabaro. Where the true New Yorkers go. Japan um, is like unreal. Yeah, it's my favorite do. place. I was only there for a week in my in my 41 years of my life. I I have to go back. It was so magical. It was it's it's the best. Every bite of food I had there was like, oh my God. <laughs> so that's, good. That's that's a, that's good. Um what if you could think of something to pair like Let's do a pairing. Like let's you know, do it. What, I love it. What okay. Rapid fire. Um yeah, yeah. What 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 food pairs best with like uh I want burns? Ooh, I want burns. Oh, um I feel like that's like um maybe like pasta because it's like you know, kind of like a you know, you're kind of like upbeat, you know. Yeah, maybe like maybe just like you know, like a little uh garlic garlic and butter you know like not nothing Ooh. too nothing too over the top kind of light kind of fun you know? mommy yeah okay yeah. what's 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 gonna what are you gonna pair what kind of food or or drink would you are you gonna pair with like building a better me oh building better me the song yeah yeah, yeah. Um, not the movie that's like not that's the movie. a serious serious um it's rapid fire yeah, yeah yeah i would say like um oh man maybe like um uh like a burrito you know like um like, you're, like it's intense like if i'm eating a burrito it's like you know i was very <laughs> deliberate in getting a burrito i didn't make one at home you know we're gonna you want we're gonna ruffle some feathers here uh oh better is there good mexican food where you live no there's not good food here at all by the way hello i want to <laughs> well tell me where they're working because i'd love to be oh okay wrong. okay yeah so um, you miss I, you miss, you miss a good san diego style burrito i don't know why i think it's because it's so expensive to live here that like they i i don't i don't know i don't know why it, like you have to go to super high-end restaurants to get really good food where in san diego it seems like it's so easy but no we, most food here is we take garbage. it for granted it you do you do seriously like what um yeah i was Vin, gonna say vincento like, i know if there's anyone in san diego in san jose listening vincento i love vincento but that's it okay the one <laughs> vincento just got a huge shout out they know. make they make their own pasta josh you would you would like it oh you come up here we're going to vincento we're going to vincento no way you, you you come up there we're gonna we're smoking some brisket we're gonna do the whole thing you know why don't we'll we do, do both, both. Okay. we'll do both we're gonna right. do both then no ziti um, <laughs> no freaking ziti <laughs> Do you remember? Um, do you remember Mickey Blue Eyes? Yes. Remember the joke about the the La Trattoria? The, the La Trattoria, yes. So I live here's here's the joke is I live on Cayacita Street, which is Little just Street Street. Little Street Street, yes. <laughs> just take that sign down. I always just, think about you every time I pull on my street, which is like multiple times a day. You pull onto your street multiple times a day. That's the good. La Trattoria. Well, I have the, to go the take street, my kids. The little to street street. Okay. Yeah. Who who's who planned this? <laughs> um, am I going to have to go down here and cut down the sign myself? Uh, the so, La Trattoria. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, so ruffling ruffling feathers. Uh oh. Let's go. Ruffling, I know. Um, well, no. But tell me, you what is 
why why talks chrome why oh why, yeah why cards like i mean oh this is God. we're taking a little we're taking a little break from the the history of music here but like you know <laughs> no 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 that talks chrome is what's like that's what did you always collect right cards did when i always... was a kid i was big into it so it's like probably okay. about six years of really really being a huge card fan it kind of ended when i moved to san diego and i also started playing guitar ah. um, i just kind of got out it was right like maybe the baseball strike happened at the same time too and i was just like ah baseball's dumb you got anything good um you got card good wise from, from the olden from the olden days from the old days most of those cards are at my mom's i do have a michael jordan second year card that i got my dad took me to a warriors game in 87 maybe 88 and he was like, we went, you know, the little kiosk where they sell like the yeah. foam hands or the jerseys. He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I want the set of cards. And that's a huge card now, that Jordan card. Yeah. Um, that's my, probably my best card from before. So Tox Chrome, for those who don't know, I do a show on YouTube where me and three friends open baseball cards. We talk about baseball. Uh, it has like, baseball saved, stuff. it <laughs> saved my 2020. I was going crazy yeah. and needed something to do. And I had like, just gotten back into cards last year because i was missing baseball uh-huh you know it was one of those like wife went to target what do you want i'm like i get some baseball cards and then she brought him back and it was like have you seen ratatouille yes remember at when the end when the he fork. takes when he takes the bite yeah. of the ratatouille and, and it like, like goes back to as a kid i yep. had that moment with baseball cards i was like oh my god i didn't know i missed this so much yeah it's fun uh and so it's like it's been really, really great. And it's seriously it's like going back to mental health and being creative. It's really tough for me to do music right now just because of like my Life. schedule. My schedule yeah. is like I'm done at 830 and then I'm tired by 845. So like picking up a guitar and playing mm -hmm. and being creative that way is tough. With Tox Chrome, it's easy because I can just like call my friends and we talk about baseball cards and I air them on YouTube and it's been really, really fun. I know it sounds yeah, it's so fun. stupid. Yeah, but, but you um, and, your, and you and your friends are really funny. Well, thank you. Um, it, selfishly, it's a reason for us just to hang out. I, yeah. I miss Dallas a lot. We haven't done anything creatively. And we've been like, Tox Chrome is the stomach monkeys. It's just the two of us trying to make each other <laughs> laugh for the last, you know, 30 years almost. Yeah. Um, and so this is just a continuation of that. It's us talking about sports and, and doing cards. And it's it's seriously, it's been so fun yeah it's super so, fun so yeah. shout out to tox chrome check out yes I'll put, the, I'll put the link in the show notes yeah come watch you know? I, I, yeah. like i said um it's it's honestly it it is it saved saved my brain this <laughs> last crazy year i really needed was, something to do yeah i wrote a song yesterday or th this weekend when i was driving home from the wedding i did a wedding in palm springs i was driving home by myself and i was like man it's been a long year it, this year has been like five years long you know and I wrote a whole song just based around that feeling, you know, yeah. it's been a long, you know, it's just like, wow. It wasn't quite as good as the juicy fruit commercial song, but, um, well, nothing is nothing do you, is. Do you have moments where you feel like it's also kind of been short? I have moments where I'm like, wow, that was only like, it, it, uh, it feels yeah. extremely yeah. long and extremely short. Totally. Yeah. It, I think it's both. Um, it, it's both. And like, uh, it's been really long because a lot of, a lot of things went slow. But also yeah. I, I personally was pretty productive so that I would, I think so that I wouldn't spiral into whatever depression, addiction, any kind of like slump um, because uh, it, that's, that would not be good for me to, to do during this time when, you know, I'll also, you know, the whole family's at home, 
you know, the kids are not going to school. I mean, I'm talking about this last 2020 now, now everything is kind of slowly, slowly moving forward, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, it was short in the sense that it was like, wow, that was, that would, that seems like a really long time ago, but it was really like April or, you know, it was really like a month, (laughs) you know, it was like, yeah, yeah, it's it's where I totally know what you mean. Like, Oh, I have, you haven't seen this person in a year or whatever. Uh, Oh my gosh. I feel like it was just yesterday or, you know, because it was time, you know, time was, time was whatever, you know, for the most part, like, I mean, I was still working a little bit, but um, here we we made it. Here we are. I had like face to face, a couple of silver spoons. I have my (laughs) oldest kids are like one year behind each other in school. Uh So like I'm having deja vu with my daughter who's, who's in kindergarten now where my, a year ago, my son was. And I'm like, I remember that because like, they'll bring home their work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the coffee filter butterfly. But we that was a year this. ago. Yeah. We so like this. I'm having deja vu that's making it feel not as long. Whereas it also felt like the first two months felt like a year. <laughs> and I feel like as we've kind of come closer to like, oh, man, you know, people are getting vaccinated and people are outside and we're doing Little League. Time is starting to move. Yeah. But God, that first month was just so long. But yeah, it's really interesting to like kind of have it felt like the longest year and also really short. Like, just so did the podcast kind of come out of, I want to do something. <laughs> I'm feeling like I, you know, I want to be creative. You I'm know, glad you're doing it. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, I start like 20. So the beginning of 2020, I, I, I buckled down and I recorded a few songs with, for under St. Didicus just yeah. because I was like, I need to write some songs. So, you know, I got whoever, whoever wanted to write with, you know, drums and bass and the stuff like, cause I, it's, I don't, I don't write all the music and stuff. So Danny, I've been doing a lot of stuff with Danny and then, you know, Mike, uh, this Mike Wright from fighting jacks has been writing songs. He's, he's from San Jose. He lives here now around here. But anyways, like, just kind of like whoever wants to collaborate, been, been collaborative. And then I was like, it's hard to do that with people who are so busy. Either, either the people I'm working with are full-time musicians. So they don't have time to like do a project with me or whatever, or they have, other jobs or other obligations like family and stuff like that, which is fine because I just wanted to, I wanted to figure out how to write music. And then the creative, you know, since I, I don't have like a full recording studio for music and I don't play drums and all this kind of stuff. Um, I was like, how can I, how can I, how can I create as a creator, as an artist? You know, I mean, I'm doing, I do create, I do that in the food side and stuff like that, but I I've always been doing music and speaking and stuff like that. So I don't know. One morning, one Sunday morning in January, I woke up and I said, I, I just, I should just do a podcast. And I did it Sunday morning, sometime in January, at the end of January, I think I just set up the podcast, whatever, did a little Instagram thing. And this kind of went from, started talking to people, Hey, you want to do this? It's yeah. the premise. The premise is intersecting my two kind of careers, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I talk to people who I know pretty well, like yourself, like I could say, we could get deep. Like I could say, Hey, Sean, what's it like being a dad, knowing what you know about how you grew up, you know, with your family and now you have kids and, you know, where's your head at with that? Like, do you you write songs for your kids or do you, I mean, honestly, actually answer the, answer that question, Sean, like, what's it like knowing what you know, knowing what you know about being a son, you're a son to a, a, you know, a broken home. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how is it now being in a stable marriage and with kids, you know? Yeah, we had to kind of like, um, it's tough. We had to go through last year the, why do I have three sets of grandparents talk? 
Uh Um, And that was tough because how do you explain that to your son and then be like, but we're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if he's like, well, wait, people I know, you know, split up, why wouldn't you, you know? And it's like, Uh you have to really like smoothly handle all of this. Uh You know, it's, it's so interesting as a parent because you, you, you start and you're like, man, this is so hard, but you realize that it's like more task oriented and you're not actually parenting when you have a one-year-old, you're not teaching this child anything. You know what I mean? Really? You're just mostly like changing diapers, like Make, worrying about the sure health okay. and safety, yeah. but then you actually getting the parenting, which is the actual work. And, and hopefully you realize, wow, I really have to focus here because I have a totally. life in my hands that I am going to sculpt <laughs> and mold yeah, and yeah. oh my God, what have I done? Um, so we had to go through that with our oldest. I think our daughter still doesn't quite get it. And I'm like, take your time. I'll do one kid at a time right now. <laughs> um, but I think we were able to, you know, what was great is like, so my parents split up, I was eight or nine. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily they had a great relationship. So we actually just were like, let's have him call his granddad and talk to him. And so I called my dad and I was like, Hey, look, I want to tell you that he now knows about my, you know, our history. He's going to have some questions and you're going to talk to him. And I did the same thing with my mom. And so that was really healthy because, Hey, cool. This is their story. They're still friends. They, you know, my mom and dad met when they were in high school. This is a common tale. Um, But, you know, they had me, that was the good thing. You know, we're kind of trying to teach him like, Hey, good things can happen. And that was, you know, not speaking of my son, but speaking about me, one thing I learned is like, when that happened at the time for me, that was a big, huge hit. Um, If that doesn't happen, I don't know if I moved to San Diego. I don't meet you. For me, I met my wife. That was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Started a family. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, And so, and even going back to like 2007, where Revolver gets dropped. I don't know if Revolver gets dropped if I meet Aaron, if I start a family. So one thing that I've learned is, is a human and especially as a parent I'm trying to pass on is like, there are those days where you're like, this is awful, but you, you're so close to it. You have to zoom back. You're going to find out, Hey, from these horrible things can come the best things in your life. Yeah. Uh, and it's just having the patience to sit through the pain of those experiences. Like maybe you didn't get a hit for a month and you just kept showing up to little league and you hit the walk off and you beat the fire dogs or whatever the team was that he beat tonight. Baseball stuff. But that's, li- but that's the, that's the lesson of life is like, you yeah. have to learn how to deal with the days that suck because on the other side, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and I say words like blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't like to let <laughs> yada, him fill yada, in the yada, blanks. Yada. He's yeah. 70. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so I try to use that experience I have to, yeah. to teach lessons that I can when I can. Yeah. At what point do you show him like the songs that you wrote about it? You know, uh, you know, I mean, my kids don't know that I'm played music and not because I haven't talked about it. They just don't care. Right. Um, so probably when we're older, you know, when, 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 when like looking at songs intellectually is more in his wheelhouse, you know, uh-huh. um, totally right now he wants to talk about, you know, I had to teach him what a walk-off was. He's really into baseball right now. You know, he's learning all about it. And so yeah, um, that's you know, fun. That's a lot of sports and Legos and Star Wars. That's a lot of fun. I, it's I so can fun. say, 
Oh, it's it's so it's so fun out here. Ba- <laughs> baseball stuff, Dad. Baseball um, stuff. I have uh one you know a, me- a memory that I have about my you know my stepfather was was baseball cards you know like yeah. collecting cards going to the show baseball card shows collecting yes. the 1983 through 1987 top oh. series you know all the Padres that you know that was the World Series time yeah um, with this 1984 Padres poster right here of course it's you know? beautiful by the way yeah um but like that was one thing that we could uh I get I guess bond over I don't know but or he taught he taught me that you know yeah, and yeah. so I still ha- I still have some my collection you know for I think you know he had a really good collection too from like all the way back early early cards you know so that was yeah, a really cool yeah. thing to see to see his old cards from like the 60s and stuff like that um and then you know we had we just it was a thing it was a thing that we we had and he he actually he you know he's the dad that I wrote a lot of the songs about and stuff like that and I wrote you know um not not preschool days that was uh, uh I don't even remember some of the songs, but anyways, he was, he was, a, he was fodder. Oh, daddy dearest stuff like that. Okay. Um, that guy, that guy, but you know, he, he recently, pa- he passed away last year. Um, oh, I'm sorry. His, of his own complications and stuff like that stuff that he was dealing with through his whole life, but it finally came, it finally caught up to him and stuff like that with uh, sickness, but it gets you thinking, you know, as a son, as a, and then as a human and as a dad, it's like, we only have so long yeah in our in this in this realm to to be you know not to quote building a better me but you know what are you (laughs) what's it meant to be you know like oh uh, like i was just telling i was just talking to lisa about this is like you can do everything in your power to be the best parent or whatever to the kids and they still have they still have to choose to be the best person they still have to choose it your son still has to choose to hit the ball I so like I yell. I know I feel bad. I yelled at him for crying. I was like, "You can't. You it just doesn't do anything." Like I, I was well, there's like, "No crying in baseball." No, but you know what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah. I really, I really struggle with finding the line between like being empathetic and being like he's seven, and I mm-hmm. do, and I'm there for him, and I can be the like shoulder. Sure. But my thing is like you sitting there and crying is not going to get you to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we yeah. have, you just have to find out why it's not happening and you have to just keep working. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? And I, and I have to like, that's where I tend to overdo it is I, tw- I try to let tend like I'm more of the tough love dad than I probably should be. And I need to, and I'm like, one thing I've learned from you as a dad is like, you always seem to be very, your eyes are open to what you are. And like, I want, I, Aaron and I talk about that post where you showed uh, one of your kids filming you. And you're like, I don't realize my size sometimes. I don't know if you even remember this. I do. But, I remember that. But one. it was, yeah. I think Beckham was three. And I was like, oh my God, I have to think about this. I'm a giant to this kid. Yeah. And I have to remember how I come off. But I think that beyond that, just being aware of, of yourself as a father and like, how am I doing? Yeah. And not just, not just going through it being like, I'm killing it. Um, I'm always trying to self-evaluate and being like, mm-hmm. what can I do better? Mm-hmm. Um Cause it's just so, it's so, it's so, um, like, it's so important. And I'm just yeah. like, I, the, I think when you become, when you're like, I'm going to have kids. And then when you get into your, like, I have to do a good job. I have to do such a good job. You know, yeah. it weighs on me heavy that I, I really want to yeah. do my you, best. You, you literally have to do a good job <laughs> so Yeah, with, with, with all of them, with all of them, you know, 
and yeah. to divide yourself. And that's one thing, you know, not, not to go too long about the parenting, but like, I, I that, like that post is like, they don't, that's something that you don't get taught when people are talking about parenting is like the physicality of you being a gigantic person and they're a small being. Um, they talk about, you know, the mental struggles and like, oh, you don't get any sleep and oh, it's so hard to be a parent, but it's like, you are all, you know, they are a child, no matter how old they're yeah. all the way, all the way up until they're an adult, they're a kid. Basically it's like black yeah, and white yeah, in that yeah. sense. Like you, I can talk to my teenagers more maturely, but they're still kids. Like yeah. when I was my kid's age, rhythm, rhythm is 15 now and Eden 17. I'm like, dude, when I was there, I mean, seven, I started playing in the band when I was 17. Yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. wow, that's crazy. Rhythm's 15. I was already going to concerts and, you know, like I, I was know. doing stupid, I was getting into trouble doing stupid shit all over the neighborhood. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and these You're guys still are still doing that or all over the neighborhood. <laughs> hey, it, it's me. Wild and crazy. <laughs> um, the color of the drug. Duh. Um, I just think that <laughs> I just think that get a receipt. Uh, it's yeah, get we're receipt. gonna start just quoting. Right yeah, now, we can it's, stop. it's devolving into movie quotes. No, I, I wanted um, to say though that like what I loved about that post was like you're I know you and you're not the guy who would ever physically harm your child, but no. you're talking about this gray area that people don't think about. Like mm -hmm. it's the space between being actually physically, you know, and you never do that, but it's the like just because I would never do that doesn't mean that I also am not like intimidating in ways yeah. I'm not thinking about. Right. And it was yeah. just a cool moment I mean. of like where you didn't think about it either until you saw the footage of yourself from your kid's point of view. Yeah. yeah. It was just a really cool moment. And it, it, it really hit me as a parent, like where I'm trying to always think about things like that. Like, what am I missing? Yeah. What am I not thinking about? All right. Back to that's true. Pennywise. No, it's true. Back to <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Um, Back to, Steph back to Stefan Edgerton in the blasting room. Oh my gosh. Um, what an and, and now Josh and I will replay our, our 20 hour conversation from driving from <laughs> San Diego to Fort uh, Collins, Colorado. I was, well, I was thinking about that. I was talking to somebody else, something, but if you think about the history of even, even the way that we did our records, we're talking about dogwood now, even the way that we did our records uh, while on tooth and nail was, I mean, we had, gosh dang it we had nick rasky lennox oh my gosh first yeah. one uh, yeah. his first his first ever produced <clears throat> I know. Rec album i think or I know. something like that but he was very green and then which was it was awesome i mean at, at studio city god fuck studio city Are you no uh yeah sound, sound no, city sound, si I'm, sound city I'm sorry. oh my I'm gosh sorry. sound city knee board <laughs> the knee board in room a like no we were in I, room b we whatever it was a. i don't even know no, no, no. like you know who's in room a rilo kylie i remember that Yes. Do you oh, remember Rilo Kylie? They were yeah. like a big band. I remember yeah. Rilo Kylie, and I'm like, you guys got to come in and hear our songs. And they're like, what are you? They're like, are why? You? I'm like, we're a Christian punk band. And so they were like, okay, we'll come in and hear your songs. Jenny Lewis. I'm like, come on, Jenny Lewis, come listen yeah. to our music. And I remember being in, in a room and we played Control, and they were like, their both faces were like, oh. And I remember Jenny Lewis going, this is not what I expected. I was like, all right, we did it. She was in The Wizard. <laughs> I love Jenny Lewis. You she, that? She, this is I before, do. This is before she was pop, you know, superstar yeah. Jenny Lewis. She was in The Wizard with She's, Fred Savage. And Rilo Kelly is really good too. They're great, man. Um, but so that's and that's. I'm so writing that down right now in my in my book and with my little Home Depot pencil here. Um, <laughs> I got so studio Sound City, where it's so famous that Dave, Dave Grohl was. 
for those of you that don't know, Nick Rescue Linux was like best buddies with Dave Grohl. And he calls he calls Dave Grohl to show him our record. And Dave Grohl's like, oh, who yeah. the fuck is this drummer? He kicks ass <laughs> to about our about our about our little Russell, our drummer. Yeah, which he, he's, he's right. Like, he's like, this drummer kicks ass. And Nick Rex Linux is like, yeah, I guess he does, huh? You know? And and I'm using like a the most expensive microphone in my life. And he's having me bounce around the studio, like, just 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 rage, just rage. I was like, okay, bro. And then fast forward to the next record. We go to the Descendants recording studio. So fun. When they were first like the, when the studio was first starting to do a lot more punk records yeah dude recorded by one of the members of the descents and all are you kidding me and mix and then and and mix it and sang on it hello secret track yes and then we go to motor studios and record with ryan green yeah yeah we don't I know and 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 then you know and then and then big fish and then you the, took a big step down and record with the sean o'donnell <laughs> But I'm saying, but even even like being at Big Fish Studio, like that's a no, big, I know that was a big San Diego thing. Um, lots of famous records were recorded there, and it's a it's owned by a famous musician. But um, the trajectory of our band, I mean, it's not. I don't want to talk. I don't want to say like the what if or or the big if, but like you know, if we had done everything with Nick or everything with Stefan or everything with Ryan, what what things would have been different? Sure. But I was just thinking like, wow. We got to record with the best studio and the best producers like each time. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For we sure. didn't have we didn't necessarily have consistency in that sound or, or or whatever, but we had such a crazy experience for each record. We we wanted Nick to do the second one. And he he was like, I think Nick we did. Was, Nick was like, you guys shouldn't do a record so soon. <laughs> he might have been right. I mean, sometimes I daydream that building a better me and Matt Aragon are one record um and i i don't want to ruin anything for any dogwood fans but but maybe you know had that gone down what would have happened because they're like continuous like it was continuous. well i just i don't if you like if you took the best songs off of one and the other and you put it together i mean that probably would have been the best dogwood album by a lot oh i see yeah yeah, yeah. I know um and that would have well, been like a maybe two years after we did Matt Aragon or uh more than conquerors well anyway it's about, yeah. i don't want to be revisionist but what i'm saying is is like yeah, in terms of consistency, we wanted Nick to do it. He was like, I, I, I can't, I'm busy, you know, you know, more than conquerors obviously got him a lot of work. So he was, you know, hello. After that. Yeah. Um, no, but he, he, he was right away was so busy and it was great, man. He was so fun. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I've worked with tons of people. I don't think I had more fun with anyone other than, other than Nick. I mean, right. It- like, well, it was such a it was such a mind blowing experience, like be, seeing him in the control room, like air drumming and like yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's this and he's the same. I've seen videos of him producing stuff. Yeah, he's the same. yeah. The air drumming, like you know, incense burning, humping the machine, like like. It just it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of it was a lot of fun, and it was a huge studio. It was like we were still young, um, you know, young young and dumb, but um. Anyways, like I guess I was just saying, like that was a fun thing to think about because I was thinking about it's like, wow, we got we had so many cool, though even the cool back end stories of each record, you know, and not not even to mention the Simpson going to the Simpsons for building a better me. I know like, the whole thing, like that's a whole story, that's a whole podcast episode in itself. Again, um, I have to write that down. Like, that write it, Sean. This book is coming out next month. You so I I enjoyed posting that thing that Instagram where I found a lot of the work that I can't find him on social media. Chris Bolden did all the artwork for it and got yeah. like grossly underpaid because of I think a miscommunication between I the bet. label and him. I, I can um, see that happening. But I was like, I was trying to find him and I I can't 
find him anywhere. Hopefully he's still okay in somewhere, but like he did all of the, those great drawings for that. I wanted it to look like uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, and you yeah. know, he did this, that, that great work. And that was really fun um, record to make. We, we recorded all the music at golden track in San Diego back when it was like right next to guitar center and a little like, you know, yep. I live, right, I live near there. I live near there. There you go. And then we, then we were looking for some, I don't remember what our plan was. What, who are we trying to get to finish it? Um, I, I don't know that part. I just remember we did it all at golden track, which is now a coffee shop. And, um, uh, I don't remember how it happened, but you and I ended up going out there like on Easter weekend or something. There must have been some plan. Cause I can't believe we would just go into the studio with the intent that we weren't going to do the vocals there. And we weren't going to mix without thinking of where we would go. Cause I feel like uh, when the descendants called to do it, we were like, Oh really? You know, like, I don't know what we were thinking. I think it's because we couldn't do the whole thing there in Colorado, like with everyone's schedule and with their, yeah. with their schedule. But they said, well, we have this time here. Yeah. Like, okay. That sounds about the right amount of time for vocals. Okay. And um, so that was that, but um, I don't know. Yeah. That's such a good, that's such an amazing time. Uh, also, last time last touch on the on that record but yeah building a better me the building a better me writing time and recording time all the way through the matt aragon writing and recording time i was living in that house that had the recording studio in it yeah the, yeah, pra yeah. the practice i mean the practice space practice space i remember it was like kind of like a walled off part yeah. of the garage it was the garage with the point room loma. Inside of it. wasn't that point loma uh where was it bay park bay like park PB, that's right sorry above pb so Looking that's above, fine yeah 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 so like we we could just go in there 24 hours a day and write music together if we wanted yeah. to so we were so that was like the most cohesive time of you know like between tours we could just practice all day long every day yeah so like you know we were all of us were not married and like doing all this you know so that was a that was a, a good lead into writing that record and then writing going to ryan greens and you know like and then yeah. ryan mixing seismic and stuff like that so like oh yeah fun traject what a good just a good overall tra trajectory um of that but I remember back then I was not a chef. So I was just eating, eating whatever we could afford or, or leftovers from people's like <laughs> fridges. A lot, a lot of fast food in those days. A lot of Doritos in, in your mom's cupboards. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's but, the age to do it though. You know, I can't, I eat that stuff now. Like yeah. the other day, the other day I had like a Burger King breakfast. Cause I like oh, no. had to, oh, no. I, I had to drop my dog off to the vet and I was starving and like they were, I thought it was going to be quick and you know, now it's COVID. So it's like, I had to like drop him off and then I'm like waiting in the car and there's a Burger <laughs> King drive through in the parking lot. I'm like, we're going to do this. It wasn't that bad actually, <laughs> but I shouldn't um, have eaten the hash. The hash browns were just like pure. It was, do not, that was, that do was not. bad. Don't do the hash browns. I actually have some, I have some questions from people for you. Oh, people Did people actually. People have questions. All right. I love to answer some questions. Jeremy. Uh, I don't know if you remember Jeremy San Luis Obispo. He's in Lakes with Seth Roberts. Okay. Um, he's but anyways, uh, they're they're somewhat related. Or they were on Militia Group after a while after you were okay. gone, I think. Anyways, he says, "What's up, why, Jeremy? Hi, Jeremy. Why was the first song on that album still one of his favorites? The entire album is perfect, top to bottom." Oh wait, which one? The first song on the Reeve Oliver album. Oh, I, the well, I guess is that one Militia. Burns? Militia. Oh, I'm on Burns. Why yeah. is it? Is why did he say his? Why say? is that still one of his favorites? Why does it? Why does that song hold up? Is there something I, in the chords? That's what I was thinking about when I wrote it. I uh, wanted him to love it forever. <laughs> I don't know. I um, 
oh, this is great. The first time I play one, I played I Want Burns. I like got the chords wrong in the beginning. And Josh Kimball here goes, don't play that one again. True story at the melting pot. Look, he's no one can see it, but he's laughing. The first time I played I Want Burns, you did the like Ash Olay thing. Yeah, yeah. From the crowd. Hey, I was heckling. But, you, were, you, know, you heckled the, it was the first time I played that song. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was like, I got it wrong, and you're like, "Don't do it again." Maybe it, it, he played. He played one song, and I'm like, "One more song," one, <laughs> instead of his whole set. Yeah. Um, um, I, you know, people really loved that song, and it makes me so happy. I had no idea. Yeah. It's one of those things when you write it. I'm not thinking like, "Oh, I've got a." This song I thought I was the only ever song I thought I'm like I've got a hit was "Young and Dumb," and no one ever cared about that song. Um, <laughs> Why? And, like, and that's how that's go, how it happened. Tell me a little bit about music theory here, writing theory, like the. the I mean, did O contribute to any of the writing on those? No, no. Those music? actually, those were on the EP before O even joined the band. Um, so yeah, so young, young and dumb. I don't, I do not approach music from a theory like calculated standpoint. I play not that part of it. More like, you know, this sounds cool. Like, like when yeah. you write like, like that sounds cool. It's all painting for me. I'm not. I don't sit down like thinking I have to do this and this and this. It's playing for hours. Part of the reason I don't write a ton these days is I just can't play for hours mm -hmm. uh, until I find something that's cool and then trying to build off of that. And that was I Want Burns. It was just like, you know, a portrait of myself at 21. It's very much kind of a Lemonheads uh, song. I was going to say, Evan Dando inspired yeah. with it. And you said it's like, just like D-A-F or something. You know, it's like... I mean, it's like two, the most of the verse is like two chords, you know? Yeah. Um, Which, and maybe that's why it's also so memorable is that the Evan Dando formula is just kind of it, get, get the song out there, you know, Jeremy, thank you for, for, you know, <laughs> answer, asking that. Sometimes it just happens. It's not like a formula. I feel like that's when things kind of get weird. Uh, it was just kind of a portrait of a kid who was excited about writing that song at the time. And that's, you know, you did it. He did it. I wish I could this do it. One? I wish I could do it again. Do it. Let, let's, let's make some hits, baby. <laughs> baby. Um, Hey, baby. Get a receipt. So, get a receipt. Atlantic Records, baby. Um, Danny Montoya wants hey. to know. Hey, Danny. What whatever happened to your green PRS? Your green Paul I Reed Smith? I sold that when I was still in the band. Uh, I think that was my first eBay sale. And um, I sold it to a guy who like lived in LA. And I remember mm -hmm. I like drove it up. And uh, he gave me a check for it. And I... This is like right when I was kind of wanting to start Reeve and I got like an SG, which sounded awful. Oh yeah? <laughs> I traded hardcore down from the PRS, which sounded, which is a beautiful guitar. I, by the way, if the dude is like listening, I'll buy that back from you now. Such a I good guitar. I loved that guitar. I really wish I wouldn't have sold it, but I was really into Juliana Hatfield and I wanted to own an SG. Uh, and that's that's yeah. the story. Again, at the time, no, at the time, not a lot of people were playing that the Paul Reed Smith, like besides Carlos Santana and Marcos. I don't remember you know? what I sold it to you for, but I probably will give you double. <laughs> What's well, the uh, sentimental what, value too? Like, yeah, because that was the it was on all the. I think it was on all of the Dogwood records that I did. Yeah, uh, definitely. But I, definitely, I, there. I needed the yeah. money so I could follow my indie rock heart into you know. You did it into indie rock stardom. Yeah. Okay, last, last, this is a little fellow named Mogan Brown. Oh, Mogan. He wants to talk about Twin Peaks. <laughs> how did you, what, how did you know? Because, <laughs> because he asks me about Twin Peaks a lot. Really? He, says, he reaches out to me on Instagram. 
Nice. Actually, he just did it one time, so I'm just guessing that that's what this is. It, it, you are accurate. It, okay. Mogan, Mogan says, ask him to defend the Billy Zane episodes of Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy Zane is in them, and that's all I have to say. Uh, Billy yeah, we, Zane. Before Dallas and I did Tox Chrome, again, going back to like Tox Chrome is stomach monkeys is mm-hmm. uh, bad credit. We did a Twin Peaks podcast where I made him watch all of Twin Peaks, which he hated. So Dallas? it's like, you know, yeah, 40 hours of Dallas just being like, this is awful. Um, and so tell me the truth. So tell me the truth is to, to somebody you're, you're trying to show Twin Peaks to for the first time. Maybe Firewalk with me or maybe the maybe the series not or whatever. Firewalk with me. I would not start with that. But yeah, or no, no maybe not starting. Uh, but is Twin Peaks or I don't know, just real quick, sum it up. Is Twin Peaks yeah. good or is it like bad in its own right? If you if you like um if you kind of venture out a little bit, like if you don't just really feel safe in the straight and narrow art world, um, if you kind of like maybe trying things, Twin Peaks is necessary viewing. Um, it's still, yeah, parts of it very much hold up. You have to remember that like, it, there's a lot of it. So David Lynch didn't have his hand on all of it. So mm-hmm. some of it is bad. Um, but it, for me, was a big influence on the way I see art and music. Totally, and, totally. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's necessary, but if you don't like things that are strange and that don't necessarily spell themselves out to you, uh, you may not be the right person for Twin Peaks. So, right now I get that. Like, and if you could, you know, I could, I could challenge you with this is like, besides, besides cherry pie, what, what food are you pairing with Twin Peaks? Ooh, um, Oh, uh, he uh, like maybe breakfast because Asian Cooper loves bacon. So maybe yeah. like, uh, you know, eggs and bacon and a nice cup of coffee. A nice cup know, of coffee. That be, yeah, that's a Twin Peaks meal right there. Yeah. Okay. For the Twin Peaks finale, when it aired like the last season, I made cherry pie. That's, you know, that's the that's the main. Of course. Thing. Yeah. A I nice slice. Of, this is a delicious slice. Um, that's very awesome. But it, but it's art. It, I mean, it's art for people. It, like, it doesn't tell you what it is. You're going to have to do some work. And if you don't like that, then don't watch it. And that's fine. You know, for me, art is like, I, I love that there are all these different kinds of things because there's something for everyone. Um, and I don't like art being critiqued because, you know, it's just not your thing. But someone else might love it. Like, yeah, just move you know, on. Like, Laziness is the only sin to me in art. Like, you know, uh, Twin Peaks. Write that down. Write that down. Twin Peaks might be something that's not for you, but that it's important for people who maybe like to be challenged a little bit. And I'm not insulting you if you don't. (laughs) We only have so much time on this earth. Don't waste your time. uh, You know, if you don't want that, that, suspend your relaxing hours, you know, being challenged. Yeah, Mogan, watch hate- the whole thing. He wants to know if he should watch all of Twin Peaks. Just watch it. What else are you going to do, Mogan? Do watch um. <laughs> hey, uh, give give me you know give me some in 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 closing. Give me some give me some parting words of wisdom, like a nugget from your family or something you've learned. Hit me with some nugget. Uh, a nugget. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm really, I I'm 40. How old are you now, Josh? I am 40. 40- 
I'm really just like these days I just want to be a better human being. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause like, I feel like I'm 41 about to turn 42 and I'm like, I'm, I really liked the first 42 years. Mm -hmm. They've been great. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, I want to beat it. I want to do, I want to like have a better next 42 years. Yeah. And I think a lot of that maybe starts for me to look outwards and not inwards as I spent most of my, you know, twenties and thirties, like, mm. like looking in here and now I'm thinking like, how can I be a better human? How can I be a better friend? How can I be a better dad and a better husband? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's at least for me right now, that's my key towards being happy. Obviously we talked about being creative. That is what makes me feel good. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think trying to like, if I had any advice, there's things that you have that are bugging you that you're not dealing with. And I would like start today and start taking care of those things because when you do, God, you feel so much better. So don't make a list of 10 things, pick one thing. Yeah. You're like, I wish I did this and just do that. And then that becomes addictive and you'll do the next thing. Wiffle ball. And maybe it's teaching your son how to hit a walk off. I want to make one note before you, before you hang up on me. Yeah. I listened to the Sean Beatty one. The guy's name was Darvin and you called him Flavin. <laughs> I was like, I need to be on this one. Those guys don't remember. The guy's name was like, hi, I'm Darvin. And you called him Flavin the rest of the day. Oh my God. That was I'm not his name. I'm it was such a dick. Dar it was Darvin from the spike and crown. <laughs> I know. I still have, I, I have his business card in my like keepsakes box. <laughs> and you like scratched out his name and wrote Flavin over it. I don't that's, know why I did that. That's not his name. I don't know why I was like that. So forgive you me. You are world. still like that. No, I know. <laughs> I know. So, it's why we love you. It's, I, it's like, I can't. Oh, man. Um, yeah, man. So, hey, great catching up, Sean. Great catching up with you. You know, it was great. Sure. It was great. I love you. I, I would, I could talk to you for like four more hours, but I know four that, part that doesn't make three. for a good podcast. It could be many parts or it could be multiple. I'll, I'll go on talks Chrome one time and talk baseball cards, you know, you should come on talks Chrome. Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, that'd be fun. I got, I got, I got I'll, I'll bring one card. I'll talk about that one card the whole time. <laughs> no, it's funny. Like that's our joke is we started out opening like a box of cards and it like just took so yeah. long. We yeah. just did a video where I opened when I had one card and it took 10 minutes. I said this one guy opening like thousands of cards. Yes. Like just hundreds of dollars worth of cards. And no, who, one we card. ain't got no time. One yeah. card, one hour, one card. We're going to do one. It's a special episode. <laughs> After school special, bring your card. Anyways, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sean O'Donnell of uh, multiple things, dad, dad of the year over here. Oh, baseball stuff, dad. Baseball stuff. Beckham O'Donnell <laughs> walked it off tonight. So happy. What a name. Did you name him that so he could be famous one day at Wiffle Ball? Like you it did sounds it. like a great baseball sports name, right? You you really did it. At least a sports writer, okay. if anything. I mean, you know, he's got Sp it. Even if just a sports fan, I'm fine with that. He is a sports fan through and through. <laughs> As Remember the, remember the propaganda uh, when they reviewed that band, the hardcore band called Through and Through? <laughs> no, i'll tell you i'll tell it. you off the air i'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but anyways the family cast food and music is life yes i think sean o'donnell i mean we didn't we didn't barely even talk much about your cooking career uh or whatever but um 
I've seen some. I know some things. I know some things. I love food. I heard I things, like to, and I like to cook. I heard things. The La Trattoria. <laughs> the the La Trattor, the little street, the street little street. Street street. Man, well, I will bid you a farewell. Say hi to say hi to the missus. Give her my best. I will. I will give her that. my absolute best. You do the same. Josh. You give her my absolute best. You son of a. Bitch. You do the same. <laughs> you give her. You give All her. Right. <laughs> uh, well, pitter patter. Let's get at her. Yeah, do you, what is, uh, how is, is this posy stoppy? This is all edit. <laughs> oh. All right, okay, there it was, episode twenty. The Family Cast, Food and Music is Life. Yes, Mr. Sean Thomas O'Donnell, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Thomas O'Donnell, thank you very much for chatting with me, for catching up. Uh, It was brought to my attention right after we finished the episode that uh, when I was listening to our our music, I was listening to all the Dogwood stuff, including Seismic and other hard-to-find songs. Um, More Than Conquerors, the record, our first record on Tooth & Nail, came out in may of 1999 may of 1999 that was this month exactly um what a what a long time ago that was in fact 1999 um that was a that was a year that was a year of so many good things uh, uh, the y2k scare for one <laughs> remember all the y2k stuff anyhow may of 1999 happy anniversary to that record uh, more than conquerors if you haven't heard it go give it a listen and i have i have the i don't have it on vinyl but i have a cd if you need to borrow a cd or you can just stream it that's fine too we'll, we'll see like a thousandth of a penny if you stream the stream the record that's cool um yeah so happy anniversary to that album and um i'm gonna play some more music at the end of this this episode what you're hearing behind me talking right now is one of the reva oliver songs uh, the reason i didn't play it in full be- or you know by itself is because I had already played a Revolver song on the Chad Pearson episode since the album was on the Militia Group, and uh, I'll play some uh, some songs that I'm gonna, I will talk to you about after this. But um, yeah, special thanks to Sean. That was that was a really fun time talking about those things. It was it was a lengthy conversation, but we could have gone on forever because there's a lot to talk about when we start talking about all the band stuff and everything like that. Um, uh, you know, I was gonna talk to. Russell and Jason maybe about on the podcast maybe and I still will I'm saying uh it just came up I, we were talking Sean and I were talking online about something oh, it was because we talked I did the Chad show the Chad Pearson episode and so we were talking about Revolver and then I was like you know what you should come on you've been cooking um you've been doing some more food we need to talk about food and music parents and and of course he's doing Talks Chrome his his uh his video um podcast basically it's it's on YouTube uh, him and him and Dallas and those guys they're so funny they're so fun to to <laughs> they're so funny and fun to watch slash listen to just if you see their faces and if you get the inside jokes even if you don't it's just a fun time and if especially if you like baseball cards so i ha- i am not going to say that i'm a collector now or i'm into baseball cards now but it's sure it sure is fun every once in a while to go through my card collection and be like oh yeah i remember how and when i got this card stuff like that it did like i said in the episode it did contribute to my 
my bonding with my stepdad when he was around um you know it's not always it wasn't always good times and it wasn't always bad but that was a that was a thing that we had together so um my mental health um when he was around sometimes i would just get lost in my baseball card collection or or basketball cards or whatever the case may be but cards so yeah and then i got into doing music so at any rate yes so this episode was episode 20 uh, there's more to come on on uh, other new episodes coming up so share the show with somebody subscribe rate review all that kind of stuff but even if you don't just share it just send it to somebody just text them or whatever it's on spotify it's on apple it's on everything we're, we're on iHeartRadio for crying out loud so it's available literally everywhere and anywhere you can hear podcasts i don't do a video component just yet but um go to essexcoffeeroasters.com use the code famcast f-a-m-c-a-s-t at checkout and you'll get 10 percent off your order so that's pretty awesome let's get into the music here i'm gonna play a couple songs that sean was involved with slash he actually he wrote um the stuff on the songs um you'll you will hear two songs after i'm done talking one is from sean's debut I'm not debut, I'm sorry, his solo album called Spirit Junkie. And the song is called The Fork Is In. And the what cool thing is that a local guy named Jake Nager, and he's a really good, really, really good drummer, really well known, plays a lot, plays with a lot of musicians, um, notable. He was on the record. Of course, Matt Gorney and um, other other fun musicians you may or may not know. But everyone had a hand on this record, you know, Will, Will Driscoll, like all the all kinds of if you look inside the record. I, uh, it's just a, like an all-star cast. Sean did it. It's a fun little solo record. And the song has the classic Sean indie rock big sound with all kinds of cool instrumentations and stuff like that. So The Fork Is In by on Spirit Junkie. And then we're also going to play a, a Dogwood song that Sean wrote. Um, he, and he wrote the lyrics as well and the melody and everything. And I just ended up, I sang it. But it's called We, The Automatons. And... This was a song we did on a, on a split EP before we were signed to Tooth and Air Records. Maybe maybe we even were signed, but we were we were putting this out. Um, it's a harder to find album now, but the song I, I really like the song. It's very short, but it's so fun, and we played it we played it live every once in a while. But um, yeah, it's just a harder to find song. So I figured you could find our other songs online streaming all the way from More Than Conquerors through through Seismic plus the uh, Best of. Those are all online. You can stream those. Have some fun. Two more songs from Sean and Dogwood and solo stuff, all that jazz. Go find him online. He's everywhere. Thank you for listening to the Family Cast. Food and music is life. Yes. I bid you a fond farewell, my listeners. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to The Family Cast. Yeah. <laughs>